Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 410 featuring Yuval Levy. He's a director, creative director, and visual effects supervisor over at the Artery. He was a fascinating person. This is, by the way, uh, I want to say this is a recommended podcast. If you go to labsatchaos.com and you recommend someone you'd like to have us on, uh, we're more than happy to see it. I'm super glad we were able to talk to Yuval. He is such a nice guy, really nice, super creative. Uh, he and I geeked out about uh, uh, car aesthetics and car commercials for a while because he and I both worked uh, did some cool stuff with cars. Uh, but he's also done a bunch of amazing stuff as far as actually being a director. He's directed a bunch of commercials uh, and he's done a bunch of really cool visual effects in feature films, including Smile, uh, which came out recently. And I'm very excited to uh, to see that. Uh, and so he was a really cool guy. Kristen, what did you think of Yuval? Yeah, well, like you said, you kind of talk about a wide range of topics in this podcast. Um, and he also just kind of takes us through, obviously, how he got started. Um, then he kind of discusses uh, VFX and documentaries way back when and kind of how those evolved. That was really neat. Um, LED wall projects, uh, working with the director to enhance shots. You guys discuss a little bit of AI and then the secret of NASCAR headlights. So, um, yeah, I'm a lot of good topics. And like you said, um, one movie that came out recently, he's worked on Smile, which is my favorite horror movie. Everyone go see it. Um, others include The Other Guys, The Adjustment Bureau, which he discusses how he replaced Emily Blunt's face um, just before AI tracking was like really there to help. So that was awesome. Um, and also Hocus Pocus 2, which came out this year. So he's worked on some amazing projects. Um, he discusses kind of what's next for him and a couple uh, projects that aren't released yet, but will be soon. So yeah, great podcast. Great podcast. And very recent projects too. Hocus Pocus 2 is obviously. Mm -hmm. is, is it true? Is Smile one of your favorite horror films? Yes. I loved it. Really? Yes. Awesome. Mm -hmm. good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. It's it's hard to find a good horror movie. So. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think the horror is kind of back in some ways, but I, I think the really psychological weird ones are harder to, to, to find these days. Yeah. This one was like it. The entire movie was just, uh, it was great. Well, you told know everyone much, about it. You, so. you know how much I love, you know, a good movie discussion. So anyway, yes. uh, all right, cool. Uh, so uh, a couple of announcements. It, we don't have any product announcements just yet. It is just the beginning of the year. So you should expect to see some in the next uh, few months as we start to roll a few things out. But if uh, you can always uh, look at chaos.com to, to keep track of what's going on. We do have two events happening at the end of this month. Uh, Kristen, what is going on? Yeah, so you can find these out at chaos.com slash events. They are actually both happening on January 25th. One is a webinar, which we discussed in previous weeks. Um, it's tools and techniques to visualize an eco-friendly home. Um, and it will be discussing uh, with Chaos Vantage and V-Ray 6 for SketchUp. And the second one is another Chaos Campus live show. This one is with Pedro Fernandez. Um, you can learn uh, how you can master post-production and crafting powerful narratives in our quiz. So really cool. Check yeah, those out. Uh, absolutely. You should check those out. I was actually, you know, the eco-friendly home, it was something that I visited with Lon over in, uh, in the Palm Springs area. It's a really cool project. Uh, you guys should check it out even just to see some of the interesting things about that, that, that project as well. Uh, but it's a really cool thing and definitely check it out. And Pedro is one of the nicest people in the world. So you definitely go check those out. Both of those are on January 25th. Again, just go to chaos.com slash events for more details and make sure to sign up if you need to sign up for. But if people want to know more about the podcast, Kristen, where can they go? 
you can go to facebook.com slash cggaragepodcast or chaos.com slash cggarage. And if you'd like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaosgrouptv. Perfect. Uh, and of course, don't forget to uh, recommend us uh, other people you'd like to have on, like this particular podcast, which came from a recommendation. Uh, just email us, labs at chaos.com. And of course, if you have any other commentary or questions about it, we would love to hear from you. Again, that email is labs at chaos.com. But for now, please enjoy episode number 410 with Yuval Levy. Welcome to another CG Garage where the Chaos Group talks. You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. Well, cool. Well, thank you so much, Yuval. I appreciate you being on. Uh, I've been looking a little bit into your background, uh, but I'm sure you can give me a much better idea as to uh, where you came from and some of the, uh, some of the you know, obviously you've been doing some really great work recently, uh, and I'm very excited to hear about some of those projects. But tell me a little bit about yourself, like what got you into visual effects and the film industry and all of that? Um, I think I always loved, um, you know, obviously movies, but also loved art. I think really starting from art, that's where I came from, um, classic art. So as a kid drawing and sculpting and that led me into animation, classical animation and stop motion. And, uh, from there naturally evolve into more computer art and, uh, 3D animation, CG, and from there, uh, my path went into uh, television, working on commercials, uh, starting as an animator, then after after that, leading teams of animators and supervising and kind of like growing up from there um, into working on different projects uh, between... Uh, really, whatever screen possible. So I've been doing many different things, but you know, my passion mostly is uh, working on feature films. That's what okay. I've been doing recently more, more of that. Have you and now? Now you uh, uh, you said you were you know obviously in art. Did you study art? Did you go to school for art? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I study art and where did you go to school? I went to school. I'm actually from Israel, so I went to school over there, and but. Um, the school that I went to doesn't exist anymore, but it was computer art. That's how oh, they really? back then, yeah. So it was a traditional art sort of leading into what was back then, the very beginning of thinking about how can we you know, use that for art. I don't know if the art world considered computer art as art yep. uh, back then. Even I, I think even within the anim- traditional animation world, there was sort of like a... It took some time for computer animation to be accepted into the what is considered classical animation. You know, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So, what year are we talking about, approximately? I think uh, when I started, I was about when I finished that school and started out in the industry was ninety nine. So it's, okay. it's not that far, but it's far enough. Yeah, no, uh, there was it was it was around that time where like there was more and more CG that was happening, but 
Uh, yeah, yeah, especially like it's interesting, you know, especially with stop motion around after the Jurassic Park time when all of a sudden people are like, wait a minute, this is something else that can take over. So it was interesting. But it's cool that you got you had a background in stop motion and traditional animation as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of like never professional, professional, but just playing around with that um, and was very passionate about that at the time. But it was always it was always there's something about um, the fact that, you know, within the software is in the computer, you'll be able, I, I was able to move faster that actually I felt will be, will be easier for me to proceed, to create longer, um, films at a time. So, right. and, and were you always in the computers or is that something you had to pick up, uh, as a, uh, you know, when you were in school? No, sort of like always into computers. Um, you know, my mom was, uh, computer analyst. So we always had a computer at home. So I think even when I was drawing as a kid, I was always drawing on those mainframe outputs papers. I don't know if you remember. So there's always that connection between classical art and computer for me in some, you know, somewhere in the brain. Yeah. They they relate together. Yeah. It's not, it's not, it it never sounds like there there was not a clash. I think some people back back then at least had a clash between the word art and a computer. Like how is this thing really relates to one each other? Right. Today right. something we take for granted, but back, you know, the nineties, uh, that was something else. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. There's, there's, there is a lot of clash that happened back then. And I, you know, and those, those battles still happen today. I mean, you look what's going on specifically with AI art and how people are confronted with those situations today. So I'm very curious about, about that, but okay. So were you, were you able to do, uh, um, were you doing some CG work in, in, in Israel when you started or, or did you start? Definitely. Working? Yeah. No, I was doing, uh, kind of like working there in the industry back then doing a lot of work there. Um, mainly commercials, um, okay. not that much feature work back then happening. Uh, but yeah, definitely the, the cutting edge of what was back then over there, mm-hmm. um, CG and trying to sort of like up the game because I think because it's a small industry there, we're not too many people, but we're sort of like competing with one each other and trying to push whatever, trying to imitate stuff that we've seen coming from Hollywood and, the you know, the big boys and all that. And what were I mean? I'm assuming because you know, obviously, it was a smaller industry in, in over there. You were much more of a generalist. Is that is that correct? Um, I would say yeah. Back back then, a lot of generalists. We so you had to sort of do it all, or at least you were expected to know to do everything. Uh, but we started seeing even back then that different people have different fields they're strong at. Especially, I would say. Character animation is something that I'm yes. just stands out to me because we had, um, I used to work with that guy who was an immigrant from Russia, but he had a very traditional animation, like character, like he would draw animation, you know, classical animation background from Russia for, I don't know, mm-hmm. 20 years worth of, and he had, was kind of like transferring his knowledge into the computer. Yeah. And I saw, I mean, it was, it was amazing the stuff that he was accomplishing and the tools that he was using. It had a completely different way of thinking about 3D animation. Yep. Uh, and the way he was seeing it, the way he was translating it was very, it was, uh, was mind bending. And we, we saw that definitely, you know, that's what he can do, but the rest of the things that were 
the rest of the tools were not as accessible. You know, sure. you would see the animation straightforward, but around it was, was kind of dark. So, um, you know, the, there's, there's definitely strengths and weaknesses. So we started to build a team and started, okay, this one person will be a modeler, a texture artist, lighter, compositor. We started to work that way even then, back then, yeah, a little bit. Okay. All right. And what, what were you guys using? We were using, I used 3D Max beginning, right. but then tra it was the early days of Maya. Uh-huh. Uh, so we used Maya and it was, um, it was very small sort of uh, company. We could call the headquarters in, in Toronto and ask questions and actually uh -huh. talk to the developers. It was, you know, our, the stuff that we worked on was on their real. Nice. Uh, yeah, it was nice. Nice. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So how long were you, how long were you working uh, in Israel? I worked there for, let's see, I think it was about four years. Okay. And then moved to Toronto. Okay. And, and Canada and continued to work there. Um, doing more television commercials, but starting to work more on documentaries. Oh. Um, uh, which is a little, little longer form, I think, which is interesting. Um, you know, what you can do is visual effects and, and documentary. I think that was the beginning of people thinking, you know, we can show things using computer graphics that we couldn't show before while we want to explain things, especially in documentary. Well, explain, give me an example. Give me an example of one of the projects you were working on. I mean, the, <laughs> the most simple, the, the one that jumps, actually not the one that's the most, glorified but i'm thinking we did that show about plane crashes <laughs> and, okay and, all right uh you know kind of take every every show was about a different one that happened in a different time and we were able to show um technically how things happen mid-air right uh sort of like make that it's i mean we're talking about a long time ago but it was it was cool back then making sure. that plane transparent and zooming into one rivet or or how the engine works, show that breaking apart and coming together and what was the malfunction that happened. You could actually show that. Back then it was, wow. Uh, today we take those things for granted. Sure, sure, sure. But it's something that before computer, we had such a great control with computer graphic would have been almost impossible to show. And yeah. it really helped. It's a helpful tool to tell a story. Uh, it's also a helpful tool to deceive information, right? To manipulate history. Mm -hmm. which is also something we did, but yeah. Uh, um. That's interesting. That's interesting. You know, I know a lot of people uh, back around that time that I, that I've interviewed on the show, some of them had, had started actually in doing what they call digital forensics for, for law, for, 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 for trial cases where they would right. show an accident or something like that. And, or some, some case like that. And it's, it's hard to try to, you know, if you're trying to convey a true story, but for you, you're doing a documentary, right? So you have to make it entertaining at the same time and not embellish the story. Yeah, I mean, we def you're definitely getting exposed to, you know, the question of what is truth. Right. And when you help somebody tell the truth, but you're actually generating images in computer. Right. Uh, you're inventing information based on uh, pieces of information. So you you're creating a reality, mm -hmm. which at the end will be viewed by possibly millions of people. And yeah, you're part of, we are part of, you, you realize in that, you know, it's, we talked about AI and we can talk about that further, but it's like all of that question of like, 
really, um, there is a certain point where you realize that you're using a very powerful tool sure. that could convey uh, a reality that not necessarily aligned with what the truth is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's very <laughs> that is actually very true, <laughs> yeah. and will become an important part of our conversation. I'm sure we're going to be talking about AI, and so we can continue that "what truth is" uh, question yeah. a little bit later. Okay, great. So you were you were in Toronto, and you were doing you're working uh, on doing some interesting stuff, commercials and and documentaries, and how did that expand from there? Um, later on, I moved to New York, which is which is uh, where I'm currently at. Um, Continue to work on commercials and working on uh, starting to work on feature films back then, um, and that's sort of like pretty much doing that. Um, later on, started to direct also some commercials. And what was uh, your specialty at that time? Like, were you already in the supervising at that time, or were you more of a compositing or more lighting? No, no, no. Or? I was I was supervising already okay. back then. Okay, um, and head of CG. Okay. And creative director, and then later on directing mm-hmm. uh, small, mainly commercials that are like mm-hmm. visual effects driven, let's sure. say. Yeah. Um, but I think specialty, I mean, within the, it's kind of, I, I think we had to be, especially when you work on commercials, you have to be very di- diverse, you know, a little bit like a Swiss knife. You have to figure out solutions to different projects that come. Um, sure. So it's really about, collaborating with people that have different strengths. So if you have a project that's more graphic-based, you'll team up with those amazing graphic artists and support them and kind of like have them drive with you to a certain direction. Uh, definitely a lot of uh, photorealistic work that we did is very different. So it's mm-hmm. sort of like shifting between different worlds, uh, but that's, uh, I think that's a strength and it's actually sort of like keep it, keep you interested in what you're doing because there's less repetition, you know, it's a, it's a very dynamic world. Right. But I would say for feature film, we mainly do like uh, hyper-realism or photoreal. Sure. So almost invisible effects, if you will. Right. I mean, they're visible, but many times they are also invisible. Well, that's the that's the goal, right? A visual effects. If you, if if people don't realize that they're looking at something that was generated, then you've yeah, it's it's want. tricky. I mean, I think many times if you do your work well and you become invisible, um, you sort of like getting lost. You know, your work is lost. Yeah, and um, sometimes it's, it's tough. Yep. You know. People ask you, so what did you do? Uh, I did uh, 400, you know, 30 shots of replacing someone's face. If you did it well, you deep faked it, you know. Right, it's right. Uh, sometimes even the actor wouldn't know that he sure. didn't play those roles, you know. Right. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. So what were some of the projects you worked on? What's the features you were working on in those early days? Um, I think one that I really love mentioning is uh, Adjustment Bureau. We oh, nice. On. Um, it was sort of like trans. It was it was exactly what we we're talking about. You know, um, the visual effects were supposed to be invisible, but they're very visible conceptually. Sure. You know, opening doors and they're in one place. They open the door and they're in a completely different place. They look back through the door. They see the one place that they came from, which is not necessarily where they are now. Right. Uh, so we had come up with a lot of solutions, nice. but ultimately it had to feel very uh, tangible and and uh, practical. We did a lot of practical tricks with okay. CG. 
Um, that was um, it was a pretty big project. We and we we had Emily Blunt that was not dancing the ballet parts. She's dancing there with to replace her face. Okay. Uh, that was interesting back then to do a face replacement. And again, looking today on the deep fake and all those tools you have, I'm amazed of how easier it got. But back then it was, you know, it was hard. It was before we had AI that could do that. Mm-hmm. So we had to hand track. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, we, we found some tools that helped us really track, but we had to sure. do a lot of positioning and really recreate her face with different layers. And, uh, and how close were you getting to her face? Pretty close, I guess, huh? Pretty close, yeah, pretty close. You could, you could, you could see her. We had to animate her expressions, you know, on her face just to to look as if she's dancing. So close her eyes and her face, react, you know, uh, mm-hmm. like a bit of this uh, strain on her face as she's pulling those uh, more complicated moves. Sure. Um, worked on um, Tower Heist. There was another interesting one that we worked on back then. Um, which was, uh, again, Eddie Murphy and a team of other actors um, stealing a Ferrari for Trump Tower <laughs> in New York. And, and um, you know, the car is dangling out of this high tower. Right. And it was, uh, that was a pretty complex movie as well. Okay. And which, where were you working at at this point? At this point, I'm working in a company called Gravity, which is a company I worked for many years. Okay. Um, yeah, those, those are the feature work. I, uh, worked on an interesting commercial campaign for Ford F-150 at the time. Okay. With Danny Sleary. I don't know. Maybe you've seen these. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. I remember he did a bunch of commercials. Yeah. 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 yeah when he's talking in the background, all these graphics happening. Yep. So I had to, I had, uh, uh, owner to direct, uh, the, that campaign for two and a half years. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's like lots of commercial. That's a full, almost a full time job. Yeah, working with that, and it's very graphic, but involve uh, real cars that were mm-hmm. color corrected to look as if they're graphic within that world. Okay. Um, was I was going to ask you if you did CG cars or not. You know, was there something about we were going back and forth. We had few CG cars there, but sometimes the we felt that that car has such a character when it actually drives all, all the interaction with, with the ground and the practical effect of that, how that car, especially the more, the, the bigger ones, the way mm-hmm. they move. We really want to try and capture that in camera and, and color correct it to look as if it was graphic, mm-hmm. posterize it, but we want to try and capture it for real. So we actually went out there to Moabi desert and, shot you know the car jumping and diving into puddles and you know reacting with the desert and the yep. dirt and getting all that stuff uh in reality yeah i i actually did a lot of car commercials way back in the day i was working at a company called sway and uh, we did a bunch of commercials and it is very tough to get those dynamics right we actually had developed our own car simulator to try to get of the right. right it's the only way to make it work right because mm-hmm. 
it's animating a car by hand is it's it's the uncanny valley of cars <laughs> you can definitely tell that's true that's true there's something there's something about you know that one piece of earth that tumbling yep. there and getting caught in the you know in the in the bumper in the rim bump like there's things that happen in reality that you can't really quite replicate 100% and again if if you have if you have the ability to go and do it, why not? You know. Yeah, and it's what? Why not go to the Mojave Desert if they're going to pay for that, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then we had we had what they call today they uh, used to be the Russian arm or the Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, um, so you know that's a lot of fun always to just see. Is that? Do they really? Do they call it a Ukraine now? Yeah, I think so. Oh, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> it's a correction because it's actually. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to get into this discussion. I mean, that, that's what I heard. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll, but, I'll, I'll take your word for it. That's interesting. Um, yeah. So it was a lot of fun writing in one of them. And uh, you just know. so people know, like this, I know what a, what a, a Ukraine is, but tell, describe what it is so people understand what you're talking about. So it's a car. I think usually they use uh, an like SUV. It's like a Porsche SUV or something, right? Yeah. That's the classic one. I've seen recently they've been doing it with some other car. But you want a beefy, powerful performance car that's big. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they need to carry usually four people and a crane. On top of the car. Exactly. The crane is on top of the car and it could turn around. It has a a gyro that keeps the camera, you know, uh, at bay, sort of like uh, in horizontal plane. So it's Mm -hmm. not dutched. Right. And... um, it's fully robotic, the crane, and it's being controlled from one person who sits in the car. Yep. So we have one guy who controls the, the crane and the camera. Mm-hmm. And then you have the actual base of the car that's being controlled by the driver that turns around the whole base of that crane that the camera is operated. Right. And then that whole thing is looking into another car, usually, that's being driven by somebody else. So all of these people have to be yep. coordinating together very closely. Yep. Uh, and the director is usually in the car trying to see what's going on. Yeah, so those yeah. are. Um, so it, it's pretty complex operation, but it's a lot of fun to be mm-hmm. part of it when you're there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I car commercials is a is a whole uh, breed, and you did it for you said two and a half years. I did. I did uh, Ford F one fifty, but I did BMW, worked on Mercedes commercial. Uh, Cadillac, what the different cars? Yeah, I had, I had quite a lot of um, cars, commercial experience. Sometimes, I mean, some some of them are really boring. Some of them are super interesting. Yep. Some of them are more creative. Some of them are less. Um, that one that I got to direct was, I think, was extremely uh, different because we could go very graphic with our campaign. Yeah. To the point that some of those shots you wouldn't be able to even the car became like just an icon of the car, sure, um, which is unheard of yeah, because yeah. that's the product. Usually, you know, as you know, they want to show their car in the most glorious way. Yep. Um, but you know, we pushed we pushed to that place that we thought you know it's so iconic that even if you see just a silhouette of it, you'll know what car it is. Yeah, it's uh, it's so cool. You know, there I do have some fond memories of of doing car campaigns myself. I did a bunch of uh, Scion commercials, and Scion ones were like super graphic. I think if you right, 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 I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and so they were done by a, a guy named Simon, who was the owner of a, uh, uh, the Attic 
Um, and uh, he loved those super graphic looks to things. And it was it was really fun, you know, really fun to sort of look at how those cars can be and what uh, and what they're you know what they're doing. Uh, there's what what are what are your what's some of your favorite parts of of, of looking at a car in a commercial? Like, what's some of the favorite things? You wow, like? that's a tough question. Actually, uh, it's sad to admit, but I did spend a lot of time thinking about it. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I know. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> uh, I think I mean, it's it's really it's really about thinking about who's gonna buy the car. Yeah. It, because it's like it's it's like you're saying like the siren right it's uh it's very graphic because i think it will lend itself to a very young mm-hmm. uh, audience right so you want to have the sparky color disco you know drive through the city the city becomes the i don't know uh, yep. club sort of place right right and then you have more of those luxurious car you know if you drive a, a cadillac just trying to say it, it yeah yeah, just, yeah to tell you something different and sort of the world have to respond to the car it has to be one it's like what do you want to reflect that the car is what kind of experience you get when you're driving it i think that's and i think what we do graphically what we do visual effects sort of like has to live within that message mm-hmm. so you have to click with the agency on that and with the client ultimately sure uh, i think for the, the f-150 it's a very specific type, you know, or that you're kind of like, that they were talking about, you know, the working class people are like hard at work. It's you know. the number one selling car in America. <laughs> yes, it is. It is <laughs> of it is. all cars, including oh, trucks, SUVs, cars. everything. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's why, that's why it was so amazing. And it's like, sort of like set the tone for Detroit, you know, if you had a, they had a good year or a bad year. Uh, so it's, you know, there's something about that, that um, has to be very real. Very realistic. Again, goes back to why we shot real cars. Very sure. believable, like trustworthy, mm-hmm. conceptually. Um, so I think this is one of the things that I'm always looking at car commercials. You know, and and I'll give you another example, like that we we talked a lot when we were doing those spots. Usually, when you sell a car, let's say BMW, it will be perfectly clean. Oh, you yeah. know, came out making sure there's no there's nothing on it. But when we shot those commercials, we actually had them go for a run, you know, getting some dust, getting that, some, yep. some mud stains, you know. So they look like they've been around. Like it's to get that feel that, you know, that's a beast that just like traveled through the, yeah. you know, the desert and, you know, puddles and, and got, got a hand dirty. And yep. it's sort of like reflecting on who's got, it goes back to who's going to watch it. What, what is the message? Sure. What are we trying to convey? So. I sort of, I, I like that journey about thinking about the message. It's, you know, the car is a vehicle, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. a vehicle of thought mm-hmm. and uh, it represents something about people. Like you drive a car, it represents something in you. Yes. You know, if you're a person who will buy a Lamborghini. That's a different story than yep. somebody who drives F-150 or Sam. Uh It's very interesting. Uh, so, I mean, you can go deep into that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely. I, I've always sort of had this, th- and I'm not necessarily a big car person. I sort of landed into car commercials for a while. But when I got involved in this world, it was just like, I understand. And especially like things like the Scion. I was like, okay, like all the different trim packages and the, this, you know, how everyone thinks about it. And uh, just hearing how agencies and different car companies talk about their cars, it's so important. And the things that I'm, sh- I'm sure you know this, but like making sure that when you're looking at a car, the headlight is like one of the most, it's like looking into the eyes of the car, you know, and like, and just all of a sudden this car that, that you're working on just becomes a personality that is 
exactly you yeah know? and how you feature i mean it's really amazing with anything but with cars especially any product uh, which is always part of commercials but how you know the lensing change how the car looks oh yeah. you know some cars you want to be more flat some parts some cars you want to be wider yep. uh, it's 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 just decision on the angle of where you look at i i think this year i actually directed a commercial for nascar oh yeah which is which is interesting very interesting cars you know yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so I went out there and looked at their new cars, you know, and they, they changed them completely, but they're sort of like fiberglass, you know, they, they, what they are, you know, they, right. they're like, they, they, they pinned into the, the chassis. Into the frame, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, 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 the, and like, you, it's interesting you're saying the headlights are not real headlights. No, no, they're stickers. <laughs> yeah, they're stickers. And naturally, we're trying to... Why even bother with the sticker? <laughs> there's, there's no highlights. It, it, so how do you, so you go back, it's like, how do you make it feel like real maybe we don't want to make it feel real because everybody knows that it's fake so it's like how do you play those stickers in a cool way right uh, and it was interesting because it was still a car those nascar cars there's still cars but they're again they're they're telling a different story completely sure. different story and it was another one that i had to go in my head and look for but what's what's cool so it's like you know obviously you notice that net on the window Sure. That affects the head of the driver to kind of like go out, right? right. That's a cool feature. I want to see that, you know, right. which none of other, I've never worked on a car commercial that had that because no cars need that. Right. You know? Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah. funny, like even just the idea that, you know, the headlight is a sticker on NASCAR, like why bother with that? It's like, I guess we expect it to have a headlight. So we have I to put so. it, if it didn't have the headlight, we would think the car looks strange, you know? <laughs> Uh, somebody once told me that I think it was uh, a head of some design school sure. we were talking about design and he said you know design it's not something that you see mm. it's really a concept you know right uh, we think about visual art we think about the visuality of it that's just the out the output the very end is what we see so the sticker goes to the concept of like we're, we're looking for something that needs to be there we don't even care why Right, <laughs> it's a need. It's like it's the concept of what a car is, what what a cool car is. It needs headlights. It doesn't, <laughs> you know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sorry, I didn't mean to go down the rabbit hole about cars because I wanted okay. to talk yeah. a little bit about features. It's part of, so, it's part of what we would, you know, part of our history, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, this is great. Uh, okay, so tell me a little bit about uh, features. Obviously, you continue to work on certain features more recently. Yeah. And I think you, you you've obviously worked on the new one that came out recently with Smile. Uh, but yeah. what sort of led you to, to you know, what, tell us a little bit about more recently, what some of the more recent work you've been doing. So actually, um, I was directing some more, uh, doing some more creative direction. Um, mm. uh, and then actually the last project I did was more of artwork. I, I worked on LED screens, did some simulations mm. uh, for LED screens. So it was really an art project I worked on with. And where was that? Um, that was in New York. Some of the work was shown in Masmoka, Digital Waves called. Um, and um, long story short, I was away for a little bit working on that. Then my friend Vico, the owner of the company I work with now, the Ottery, mm -hmm. he called me and said, listen, I need you to look into this uh, project. And it's, it's, it's a complex project because it involves practical uh, 
effects that happen in camera. So it really, it really like the director wants to get everything in camera, really wanted to get everything practical. Mm-hmm. Obviously there'll be CG and 2D and a mix of all of those things, sort of like extending what we will never be able to get in practicality. And it's something that I did before. Uh, and it's something that I've always been interested in. Uh, I guess maybe because I'm coming from the art world and like really feeling materials and sort of came to CG as an extent, always wanting to extend practical stuff. And uh, just conceptually, I do believe, and it's what we talked about F-150, you know, mm-hmm. that, that there's things that happen practically that if you can go and get them, you know, and you have the ability, you have the production, you have the camera, you have the crew, you have the Ukraine, right? And, mm-hmm. and you can go and you can go and uh, jump on a porch and, ha- and do that, like have fun, enjoy, you know, right. and come back and and look at it. And when, whenever reality stops, that's where you start extending it. I really sure. love that idea. And I think that's where um, sort of like that collaboration was born. And I went on set and I met this... Uh, younger director <laughs> who was growing up on all those movies being done uh i think in the 80s 90s it had more of a practical um uh, sort of like approach mm-hmm. right monster will be something you will create right <laughs> and there will be some animatronics happening in the back they always felt kind of clunky but they were there was something really terrifying about those movies like they they really they really you know uh dent you in a different way sure. and uh, then the visual effects that you're seeing. Uh, and I, we, we talked a little bit about that and I do agree that there's certain, I guess when you go into this, when you watch a movie, there is a suspension of belief, right? That happens but somewhere in the back of or your head. You're thinking, Oh, that is computer generated. You realize you see it. If you don't see it, you, you sense it. Uh, in some way or another, and it's and you sort of going into that path of believing it, but also not really believing it because you know it's being computer generated. Okay, uh, and that and I put in that category like most of the movies that are being created now. So how sure. can we dial into something more? There's something different. What will be the way? Uh, and of, of course, when you talk about a horror movie, that's something that potentially will make the movie much more scarier. Right, because we really make it much more believable. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think there's there's I think a little bit of, well, there's a little bit of both here because I think you're absolutely right. I think uh, I'm I'm all for doing as much in camera as possible because of one for several reasons. One is it it eliminates the choices <laughs> that you have to make later. Yeah, it's definitely much faster. I agree. Like the, you, the, the decision is being made on set pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And then you're, you have that. And so then you work from that. Right. So this, it's as opposed to, well, let's make it look like this or make it look like this. And it's like, that's, that's the worst in, <laughs> in terms of how to waste money. But, uh, but all the other thing is <clears throat> there was, there was a moment, you know, in, around 2000, I don't know, 10 or 12 or 13, that that uh, there was a lot of people that were very anti-CG and in, in, in the world. And they were basically like, it's all terrible, it's all bad. And the reason they would say, oh, this movie is bad because it has CG, which really used to upset me as, a, as an idea, right? And I 
because really they what was happening is I think the industry was relying on big CG to fill in for the bad story that they created. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. <laughs> so and so they would blame it because they would notice the CG but I think specifically when something is really compelling and really has you engaged and the story's really good you don't notice the CG as much for two reasons one is if you do it practically you blend it in just like you were describing right you mm-hmm. if you if you're doing it practically you have a reference to match much better right and that's also a really good thing but I think also it's like it really engages you then that emotionally becomes part of the experience how how did you how did you work with a director in terms of trying to you know enhance what what has what was shot like what was the the plan there yeah so it's always always um i mean when you go to that direction you always um go in into the world of like okay we're going to do it Sometimes we'll have to erase it completely in order yep. to replace it. And sometimes we'll have to take many, many pieces of that and just combine it into a different shot altogether. We'll have to duplicate things. We'll have to uh, manipulate it in a million different ways. Sometimes you ask yourself, you know, probably be easier to just do it all in CG, like not have any, uh, you know, and you got to deal with all those people, right? The effects artists, the, the uh, the ward, you know, the, the wardrobe, the costume, right. all, all, all of those people on set, you have to interact with all of them. So it's a lot of energy that you got to waste that sometimes is going to be erased. Great sure. reference. Beautiful. We don't want it like it's trash. Right. Uh, recreate it all. Uh, and it's, um, I, I noticed that sometimes, first of all, I love going through that process in practicality. Mm-hmm. And especially coming from visual effects, it's interesting because it's a direction that they're not used to. I mean, usually they're interacting with director, they're, they're interacting among themselves, but here they're like, wait a minute, you're going to do the blood in CG anyway, so why are we bothering doing it now? <laughs> uh, and, and, and you know, let's talk about what kind of blood they're using, like how it's going to spray and, and how it's going to flow and sure. what do you care? You re- you're going to redo it anyway. So it's it's interesting conversation, interesting for me to learn, interesting for me to explain how we can, what do we need for them and what we can extend, what we can extend, what would be the what would be the things that they could do that would be very hard for me to do or what are the things that they can do that will give me a good reference? Sure. Or what, what, what could they do that I will be able to extend? Um, the work with the, in terms of the director, I think for his point of view is just let's get as much as we can. Yeah. So he, I think for, from what I understand, like the way everything was planned, like to see in camera something that will satisfy. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, for the most part, you get something, you know, you get something, you look at the, you look at the shots, like, oh, I see what's going to happen here. But sometimes it's just like, it's, it's really not convincing. Sure. And that I had to be there and said, I, I think we can make it work. Like, don't worry, we'll, I <laughs> You take that piece and that piece, we'll put it together. Sometimes we'll make a little sketch just to show, you know, everybody so they know what we're going after Right. when we collect those pieces. Um, but the process was, you know, we were talking about those shots. Sometimes it will be a sketch. Some Sometimes we'll just talk about it and then we'll just go and shoot uh, and try right. to get as much as, as further as they can. Right. Um. But yeah, many times you look at it and it's like, wow, that's 
that's very far from where you, we want to be. And sometimes like, wow, this is, this is amazing. It looks like, you know, she's cutting her face to them, you know, or whatever needs to happen. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so what about that? What about that as a genre? What do you think about working on horror films? <laughs> I mean, I think that in terms of visual effects, you know, we have really when we, when we, when we can really do our magic is horror, um, sci-fi and fantasy. Right. I think right. that's, that's our main, that's our main place where we can grow, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, fantasy. I mean, I love, I love all of them for mm-hmm. some reason. My, exp- I had to experience horror more than others. You know? Sure. Um, uh, also working now on latest feature with Ari Aster that's going to come out soon. Boys afraid. Nice. Um, where we also work with prosthetics and enhancement and stuff like that. Sure. Um, I think it's fun. I mean, I like it because it's, it's, it's gr- most of, most of horror movies that are good, I think are grounded in reality. Right. And, um, I mean, it's true for sci-fi and, and fantasy too, but it's sort of like the, the distance that they go I'm trying to think is most of them, I think don't go that far. Okay. into the other world like they give you a peek into this other existence but you're not getting submerged like a fantasy movie i think you step uh, i'm just imagining my but you go into the um the uh, in, you you open a door and you're in a different world and then you might experience the whole movie within that other world sure right uh same thing with sci-fi right you jump on that spaceship and you end up somewhere else right. a lot of those horror movies i think do just get like a little peek into those moments, you know, you yep. see something, maybe you don't see it. That's the whole uh, thriller effect. It's yeah. Isn't that some of the things like, yeah, trying, trying to create those moments that are filled in, in your mind and not on the screen. Right. Exactly. And I like that game. I like that sort yeah. of like going back from reality into this distorted reality. I, I mean, I, I'm, I really love that. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, it's interesting. It was, I was helping a, 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 a friend of mine and he was directing a, a, a movie uh, called uh, Splinter ages, ages ago. And uh, he, he had actually had the monster done in CG and he's a very good CG person. And it was like, don't show it <laughs> you know, because it's like it ruins the effect. And it was so much more effective when you didn't see it and you just you had this threat, you know, constantly happening. Exactly. Like we're in our world and we get a little glimpse and pieces yeah, of just enough. Some, yeah. I mean, S- smile went further. I mean, he actually a movie that showed a lot. Sure. Uh, but it was grounded in reality. It was real. Right. At least until the end. But, you know, we saw that moment of like a stab. It was a real stab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and but it was still reality. It was just like it, it, things are. It really opens up towards the end where you see this unnatural, yeah, monsters yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. That are yeah. I know uh, Kristen, who's a producer on the the show. She's very excited about talking about Smile and how. Very excited about that. She loved the she loved the movie. So, <laughs> it's am- I mean, it's amazing. Uh, you know, small production uh-huh. to go streaming, yeah, and just making that jump into yeah. a, a theatrical release, and you know, sort of like you know, uh, leading the box office for a little bit. Um, yeah, 
it was it was it was a fun ride. I mean, nobody thought that it's gonna do the way it did. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts about the film industry? Obviously, now there's you know the dynamics have changed quite a bit. Like things like what you do have generally been geared towards streaming, and there's a lot more content that's being done in streaming in general. What are your thoughts about how that's changed the dynamics of filmmaking? I did. I mean, I worked on a lot of uh, bigger production that did go. Sure. Actually, it's, so I worked on past. I worked on things that went directly theatrical. Sure. And now because the whole world changed and became more streaming. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we almost streamed. But then I but then I think when pandemic happened and a lot of streaming, everything went streaming. Yeah. You know, movie theaters closed. Uh, we start. I think there were a few things that we we're playing really well on our small, smaller, I mean, bigger, uh, 80 inch, whatever, seven, yeah. you know, whatever big are your TVs uh, or projectors, there are things that are playing really well at home. Mm-hmm. And there are a few things that you missed experience as a community. Sure. I think it goes back to that. And I think horror movies is one of those things. It, it's just fun. It goes back to a primal kind of like listen to a story around yeah. the fireplace, you know, primal effect that you just, experience you know uh whether it's terror or you know uh fear or scream with in, in, in with the community yeah and, you know watching when we were while we were working on it i was like god i wish that shot would be uh, you know on a big screen and many people could experience together and scream at it because it's going to be awesome and i yeah. was thinking that it, that we're not going to get that because it's going screaming screaming, screaming. but he did get it <laughs> Yeah, and then I, I was able to sit there and view, you know look around and see how people experience as a community, and it was it was unbelievable. It was an, it was great. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. It was great. So I think that's I think there, that's you know opens up a new room for you know the classic. Sure. I mean, there are few there's things that hope that 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 are that cinema meant to do, big screen meant to do that. Yeah. Can't really achieve streaming just by yourself. And there's when you have a hundred people are, screaming, it's a difference than just you and someone else in the room <laughs> yeah exactly exactly it's very different so I, but but i do think that um it's changing it's changing yeah. there's there is a bigger budget now for television and you have you know amazing visual effects that's happening just for our screens and right. um it's changing the productions um long form is becoming something that people are you know looking to do mm-hmm. and companies are gearing towards that um episodic work um it's definitely changing the the game or the right. industry right right well that's wonderful um well cool all right i do want to talk a little bit about technology obviously there's been there's been some stuff going on more recently in in the visual effects world and technology that is affecting um how we do our work uh obviously in the last six months uh, we've been seeing a lot of things happening in the world of AI and how that affects what's happening there. What are some of your thoughts on the one, the technology, and two, how it affects the work that you do and the people around us? I think, um, I mean, it, it's it's amazing. Some of the stuff is amazing, and um, I think it, it could really contribute the creative process. Mm-hmm. Uh, the exploration, especially because you were, um, you're not narrow. I mean, you don't have to choose 10 options. You know, a computer can generate 20, 30, 40, 50 options 
while you're in R&D or when you're trying to develop a, an idea or a concept for, let's say, uh, design, you want to design a Bauhaus a building, you know, <laughs> some AI software will be able to give you 50 different versions of that, a take on, you know, a Bauhaus building in the 50s, right? On a, sure. whatever, 20s. Um, and give you some color options, design options could could help you explore. And I think it's, I can definitely see it something that we will use, you know, even today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know a lot of concept artists are using it. And same, same thing for character design. Um, I think that's where I can see it happening now, mostly for with what we do. Um, there's a lot of tools for compositing that are starting to work, you know, so computer analysis and uh, that, that could get, that could help us uh, speed up some of the, the process that really, if, if computer can figure it out for you, why not? You know, sure. Uh, the, the, in terms of ideas, um, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it, but there's still on top of it, on top of whatever the AI will do. I think there's always like the edit. You can take those ideas, but somebody has to edit them into something sure. cohesive. And I think that still will be a human. But I can see a world when you read a script that's being generated by AI and fed into some other software that creates CG animation completely in AI, music that's been generated from other examples and the, i'm asking myself will will this be an art form that i will enjoy um probably might might be cool to watch you know something that was done complete completely without um you know human intervention or at least just being like triggered by sure. a few words and just you know grew out there i i, I don't mind it i'm not against it i just okay. i'm 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 curious to see if I will enjoy it or not. Do you what is your what are your thoughts about people that are very concerned about the efficacy of it meaning that you know these systems have been trained on other people's work and then that those people's jobs have been disrupted from the process. I mean this is this is this is uh this is absolutely I think it's true and it's always always be a an issue but then again when we're doing I mean, a lot of what we do is always based as humans on some somebody else's work. You know, we yep. we always throughout you know history of the art, every, people were always influenced by other people and took some ideas, blended, and came up with something new. Uh, nothing is sort of like being generated in midair. Everything's got a reference. Everything is another step uh, evolving from sure. another idea. Every idea um, in any art or any form of <laughs> human creation right so it's sure. I, I, i'm not sure where I'm, I'm i'm not i'm not i don't know where i mean I, I guess that's what i'm thinking i didn't take a stand no <laughs> no i know it's honestly speaking between you and i i'm i'm actually having a hard time with the, the 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 conversation myself because um 
I mean, I can understand there's a frustration with people who uh, who has several you know issues with it that the, their art is being uh, used and monetized by companies, right? The, the the tech companies that are out there are profiting from other people's work when those guys all they did is they put their art on on art art station, and now everyone else is just making millions and billions of dollars in their companies just reeking everyone else's work, which I think is an ethical problem for sure uh, in some ways and needs to be addressed. At the same time, I think that there's, this isn't going to go away. (laughs) Yeah. And, and it's, and it's, yeah. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is like part of our evolution, but, but absolutely true that I think it's not fair. And, and I, if I'm an artist and I'll see my work somehow being all pieces of it, being uh, you know sort of like augmented a little bit into some ai creation i would be i would be mad and i understand the frustration and i'm the unfairness of that for sure sure is um but you also think i mean just to try not to to you know as you said not that, like you not, said not, not, uh, yeah yeah but but also at the same time for for certain you know you concept artists and people like that i mean these are a new set of tools that need to be amazing tools amazing tools I'm, mm-hmm. i've been i mean we've been all seeing that and and they're celebrating i, I think they're they're happy they're right. you know i mean it's it, it's like it's maybe the same guys that got you know their images got stolen now can like you know right. get, work through it and mm-hmm. they're sort of like forced to uh work with it and they can they can you know see the benefits mm-hmm. Uh, that that you can generate with this, but ultimately, uh, I'm seeing the difference. Let's say let's say this. I'm seeing the difference when when the AI uh, image generators engines or whatever those softwares. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to name them, but well, sure. people use different ones. But uh, when they're being used by an artist, I think the results are always better. Way when, better. Just when they're used. So so when when a concept artist is using them. I see amazing results. Yes. Uh, and when somebody is just writing prompts, you know, I'm seeing things that I'm not fully, you know, uh, believing in or, or, you know, so, so it's still going to goes down to the artist. I guess that's my point. Yeah. I mean, I still believe in the human behind uh, that whatever AI that's, you know, at least for the very near future, I think after that it's going to evolve. It's gonna it, I mean, it's evolving so fast. I, it's like as we speak, <laughs> things yeah. are changing. What, uh, I, what, I, what I find fascinating is the actual pro, like what people are asking the AIs to do is the kind of art that no one is thinking of. Like, I want to see jelly beans <laughs> on a pizza from a skyscraper. I was like, who would think to draw that in the first place? But no, no, no. Yeah. And so the creativity that's coming out of, of some of these ideas is creating stuff that is way more unique, you know, in in some ways in terms of the the concept itself of what they're trying to see, um, which to me, I am. While I, you know, I still definitely have some issues with with how how some of these engines are being uh, ch- uh, created. What to me is interesting is what's inside people's brains that they feel they want to see. You know, they want to <laughs> see things out there that definitely have not been done yet. It's funny. We just like today we saw we kind of shared with among us uh, a few friends um, a video of this guy who was explaining about AI software mm-hmm. 
and you know this artist and I saw that video while he was talking about all of these these different engines and software that he's using for different mm-hmm. parts of his production. I thought that at the end of the spot, they will reveal that him himself is being an AI, but right. it, was, it wasn't. He's a real person. Okay. But I, I almost like, I don't know how far it will go. You know, yeah. I was sure that they're going to say, oh, and by the way, he would say, and by the way, I've been computing, you know, I'm, I'm a... Yeah. CG character and it's all being generated by another software that's I mean <laughs> we don't know I don't know what to believe anymore yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean it's I think it's going to get to a point that's and that's that put we're going to lose um, we're going to be inside the suspension of belief we will not know where it begins where it stops and that's it's exciting, but it's also a little bit terrifying. Yeah, you know? it was totally terrifying and totally exciting. I, I'm I'm with you 100 <laughs> percent on that. I don't actually have the answers. I'm trying to uh, trying to it's not necessarily take a stance on this because honestly, I don't know what stance I have. I'm not trying to pretend to be neutral. I am very neutral on it because I don't know what the answer is. But I have a lot of questions. <laughs> there's a lot of things working together. I mean, there's the AI, and then there's yeah. the metaverse, and then there's the virtual reality, augmented reality, which mm-hmm. we didn't talk about, but I, I was dealing with, which I was very interested in. And I think when those, I mean, all of those points are kind of like, they're not together, they're, but once, but somewhere in the future, they will collide. And sure. when, when all those, when, when somebody can come up with a crazy idea and you could go into their virtual reality with some kind of glasses and step into that crazy idea, that will be very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, the holodeck will become very different at that point. Exactly. And and that's I would love to experience that uh, sure. in the future. Sure. Okay, cool. Well, listen, uh, we're coming up uh, towards the end here, and I just want to have opportunities. Like you mentioned, you've got a couple projects coming up. So can you say anything about what's happening or what people can look forward to? Um, yeah, as I mentioned, the Ari Aster movie that's coming up, uh, Bo is Afraid, we worked on that. Um, we had some portion on it, which mm-hmm. was Super excited. The trailer came up yesterday, A24. Oh, nice. It out. It's like, it seems like it's going to be an incredible movie. It's, you know, he's been doing horror movies, but it's, I think it's stepping into another uh, dimension there. Nice. Um, very interesting. We're working on another two different projects, another one with A24. I can't quite talk about it. And then one with uh, MGM. Nice. Um, yeah, they're not, I mean, the, the, they're, it, uh, the other project is with MGM is called Nickel Boys. It's a completely, it's a very realistic movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have so much visual effects, but the interesting aspect of that is it's all being, it's all point of view. Oh, nice! It's all okay. shot as if it's a point of view of this um, sort of like growing a, a kid that's been growing in the movie. But uh, it was it was done with a very interesting technique, mm-hmm. and um, we're you know we're we just finished shooting few weeks okay. ago so we were stepping into uh post-production now okay awesome. so it's like three projects going on that's, that's yeah cool. yeah very exciting well very cool well i'm sure we'll put we'll put links in the in the podcast notes so people can follow uh where you guys are and what you are doing and and let people know about that but uh, uh Yuval, thank you so much for for being on the on the podcast and and sharing your your great insight on all these great things it was wonderful talking to you uh, thank, and, you. Uh, thank you. Thank you for yeah, having me. 
And yeah, definitely come back when you when we have another great thing to talk about. Yeah, we'll come back and we'll we'll talk some more about whatever's going to happen in the very near future. We'll be smarter. It's going <laughs> to we'll be speak. crazy. It's going to be crazy. All right, thank yeah. you. Thank you. Bye-bye.